We are here on this autumnal morning, with the sun's rays gently touching the day and leaves falling to the ground. And we are here to celebrate life in all its forms, to accept the impermanence of all that is, to rejoice in the transforming power of love and respond to compassion's deep call. And so, though our ways of thinking and feeling about the meaning of our days may differ, we share the journey one with another. Within this circle of strong spirit, mutual care and ethical vision, may we open ourselves to the transforming power of welcoming hearts and the quest for truth. So welcome everybody to Essex Church, where this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians, meets each and every week. Our community is created by all who walk through our doors, and I welcome you all, whoever you are, however you are, wherever you find yourself on this path of life. Let's take this moment to gather ourselves as individuals and as a community. Let's take a conscious breath and bring ourselves to this moment and to this people, to this sacred space. Let each of us align ourselves with that which we hold to be of ultimate worth, with that which connects us all the God of our hearts and of our understanding. May this simple chalice flame, symbol of Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist communities around our world, May it remind us of the one light of the spirit that shines in all that exists. And in our remembering, may we affirm once more our commitment to love and justice and equality the world over. So a a bit of a transition from those real-life candles of joy and concern to one of Hans Christian Andersen's most famous stories, the, uh, the story of the emperor's new clothes. And no doubt most people will, will know this story. So I'll give you merely a precy, but um, if you've got the time later on and you want to go and look at the internet, you can find Hans Christian Andersen's original telling of this story. It is so beautifully done, it's worth having a look at. But you remember the story of an emperor who was so into new clothes that he just spent most of his time and his money on dressing ever more extravagantly. He didn't care about anything else in his kingdom, just how good he looked. It was said that he had a coat for every hour of every day and was forever asking for a change of clothes. And so it was that to that city there came two rogues. 
Hearing of the emperor's love of clothing, they set themselves up as weavers and declared that they could weave the finest stuff imaginable. Not only were their colours and their patterns uncommonly beautiful, but the clothes that they then eventually made were of such a wonderful quality that they became invisible to anyone who was unfit for the office he held or was incorrigibly foolish. Hmm, thought the emperor, I want those clothes. And so he set the weavers up in one of the nicest weaving rooms with lovely looms, and he brought them all the silver and gold that they asked for to weave into the cloths. They, of course, pocketed the silver and gold and just kept weaving imaginary cloths. Now, the, the emperor wanted to know how they were getting on, but he felt slightly uncomfortable about that bit about those who were unfit for office not being able to see the cloth. And so he sent other people to look at the cloth as it was being woven. And of course, because they didn't want to look foolish, they all said, oh, it's marvellous. Gosh, that is the best cloth in the world. And so the lies began. On and on it went. Until they got to the fitting stage and the emperor himself realised that he could not see the cloth, but he was being fitted in these invisible clothes made out of the best cloth that money could possibly buy. And so it was that they got to the procession day, where it was decided that the emperor would process through the, um, through the town wearing this special suit of clothes. He asked his cavaliers to hold the train, the invisible train. And there it was, in front of thousands of people, the naked emperor walking through the town. And the crowd were all applauding until two children stood up and shouted out. The emperor has got nothing on. He's completely bare. And at that, some of the other townspeople joined in. (laughs) And that foolish emperor became the laughing stock of his town because he had foolishly imagined that he was wearing a suit of the finest cloth. And that is the story of the emperor's new clothes. It has nothing to do with the rest of us and how we live our lives. But it does lead us into a time of prayer and reflection. If the children's group want to leave now, they're very welcome. And so I invite you to join in this time of prayer as we call on the divine spirit of life and love to be with us now and to bless all that we say and do together this day. In a world of so much foolishness, may we be gentle with the foolish parts of ourselves, as well as with the stupidities of others. Knowing our remarkable human ability to fool ourselves and to be led astray, May we attempt to be people who can face the truth with both honesty and compassion. 
And as we consider our world with all its problems, may the spirit of compassion help us to feel the suffering of the peoples and all the creatures of the world. May the spirit of love melt cold hearts that trample on human rights. May the spirit of beauty help us to preserve the unique splendours of each country. May the spirit of endurance and patience strengthen those who are oppressed and exiled from their homes. May the spirit of courage strengthen those who speak for those who have no voice. And may the spirit of unity help us to recognise people of every nation as brothers and sisters. And in the spirit of love and justice, I invite you now to send your thoughts and prayers where you feel there is a need. Be that places within yourself, in those you love, or in our wider world. And may the blessing of love and compassion be with all beings this day. And may each of us be helped to say yes to life. Amen. <coughs> A child once asked an adult, pretend you are surrounded by 1,000 hungry tigers. What would you do? Well, the adult thought through various possible courses of action, all pretty ghastly to contemplate. Running away? Ugh, hopeless. Tigers can always run faster than us two-legged ones. Shout for help. But who could give the kind of superhuman help that would be needed? Pray? Hmm. Try and hide? Not likely. Helplessly, she turned back to the child and said, I don't know what I'd do if I was surrounded by 1,000 hungry tigers. What would you do? Well, said the child, I'd stop pretending. <laughs> so in today's service, I'm exploring what a life of honesty might mean to us. And it seemed important to acknowledge at some point how much pretending we humans can do. Being honest with one another, as, um, as Michaela mentioned earlier, and just as importantly, being honest with ourselves is not always easy for us. Our personal truths can be so easily blocked by systemic forces like family structures or the expectations of our culture and society or they can be blocked our truths by inner issues the life narratives that trap us our fear of hurting others or 
or rocking the boat, our, our fear of our own overwhelming emotions, perhaps, or that very real confusion that some of us experience about who we really are. I've heard the process of growing up described as people-making, the forming of an individual human being. Now, Judaism regards improving character as the goal of life. The Midrash teaches that the Torah's commandments were not given to humankind for any purpose other than to refine people. The rabbis did not say that it's one of the purposes of the Torah and its commandments to improve our character, but this is their sole purpose. Joseph Talushkin, in his book, A Code of Jewish Ethics, writes, that guideline enunciated in this midrash to refine people gives each of us a standard for determining whether we are leading a morally successful life. Are we growing in honesty, kindness and compassion as we grow older? If we are not more compassionate and empathetic at 60 than we were at 20, we have lived a failed life. That's his words, not mine. I am not entirely convinced about that. It gives anyone under the age of 60 here today something to be getting on with anyway. And for any of us with our bus passes, well, let's hope we've done the necessary work. Are we better human beings now than when we were in our 20s? Again, want to discuss over coffee afterwards. This, this idea of the importance of being ourselves without pretending to be anything we are not, it shows up, doesn't it, in good advice over the centuries. It's carved over the, the archway leading to the oracle at Delphi, those famous words, know thyself. In Shakespeare's Hamlet, Polonius tells his son Laertes, this above all, to thine own self be true. But many of us know, don't we, the complexity of such self-knowledge. We know that we are different with different people at different stages of our lives. In a moment, we're going to listen to Schubert's beautiful litany for the Feast of All Souls. And, and I invite you to use this time, if you wish, to think about some of the people you know who have died, which is something that some of us have been doing as a group this week. And think about who you were in relation to those people, the aspects of you that have been brought out in each relationship. It's... I mean, you could see it as a bit twee, that hymn, but, you know, there is something about those final few lines that still make me go a bit tingly, even after all these years of singing it. I was just working out, it was 25 years ago that I first sung that hymn in a Unitarian congregation. And those lines, so are you special, so are you lovely, so are you needed, part of the whole. I reckon if I ruled the world, whenever someone felt a bit low or lonely or troubled, a sweet autumn leaf fairy would float in front of you and sing that verse to you, a gentle reminder that we are who we are and that each of us has something unique to bring to this world. 
Today's thoughts on a, a life of honesty complete the series I've been following for the last few weeks here on Sundays. I've been focusing on some of the qualities that liberal religious people might find useful in their lives. We've considered a life of imagination, a willingness to say that things could be different. They don't have to stay the way they are. In fact, since nothing can ever stay the way that it is, let's be intentional in making change happen in positive ways. We've looked at life as inquiry, our willingness to live life without knowing, to live with doubts and uncertainties, but able to ask questions and keen and curious to find out more, knowing how little we actually know. Last week, we expressed our gratitude even for the tough times, And today I'm considering honesty, but let me skirt round some of the moral dilemmas that honesty brings to human existence. We know that honesty is a good thing, and as social beings we are also well aware of the many times when it's better not to tell the truth. There is a piece of Buddhist wisdom that suggests before opening our mouths to speak, we weigh up what we are about to say using three tests. Is what we are about to say true? Is what we are about to say kind? And is what we are about to say necessary? I haven't actually done that with this address. The game might (laughs) fail the final test. Uh -uh. And many of us will also have experienced the weight of living with a lie at some points in our lives. There may have been good reasons for us not to tell the truth, But there is often a cost, isn't there, in terms of the depth of our relatedness, even when the only person we might have been lying to was ourself. This is the self-deception that has us stay in situations, jobs perhaps, or marriages, or ways of living, even when we know really deep inside that they're not the right places for us to be anymore. And many of us probably know what denial feels like when we cannot yet face the truth, even when it is laid plainly before us. I've always appreciated the teachings of the 12-step programs, with step four reminding us of the value of conducting a fearless moral inventory of our lives. There's lots of useful information online about different ways of conducting such an inventory, It's a helpful process of self-reflection for any life. Such a process concerns our integrity, doesn't it? It asks us to be genuine and authentic. It tells us that to seek our true nature, a path of wholeness rather than remaining fragmented, that's a fine path to take in life. It's a spiritual path that will guide us to coming to terms with the whole of who we are. Catholic priest Richard Rohr, who directs the Centre for both Contemplation and Action, says, God calls us to take the path of the inner truth, and that means taking responsibility for everything that's in you, for what pleases you and for what you're ashamed of. In the spiritual life, nothing goes away. There is no heavenly garbage dump. Everything belongs. Words of Richard Rohr. And on this path towards authenticity, we meet other people. And the more we can share with them the whole of ourselves, and the more that we can hear who they are, even if their reality is very different to our own, the deeper the connections that can be made. 
And creating a space for this kind of authentic human connection is one of the meanings of church for me. I hope we are building a safe community where people can express themselves, not feel they have to stick to any one set of beliefs, a place where your direct experiences are honoured as your truth. I found this lovely quote from uh, writer Joan Chichester, who wrote that to be honest with another person is to respect that person's ability to deal with the truth. It's one of the highest compliments we can pay a person. Because our world is struggling with honesty in all kinds of ways. I bought a carrot cake yesterday, which actually I have forgotten to bring down with me, but I'll go and get it from my flat presently. And this carrot cake proudly stated on its box that it was expertly hand-decorated. And I just had to laugh at the thought of what level of expertise would be needed to sprinkle nuts on top of a a mass-produced cake. Or those so-called healthy snacks that proudly proclaim they contain no fat, yet are being made instead with lots of extra sugar to make them stick together. These are the baking versions of spin with which politics is too often conducted. We yearn for honesty, but it's still proving difficult to achieve, isn't it, in public life? I find myself getting frustrated by seemingly endless delays in reports being completed. We await the Chilcot report on the Iraq war. There are sexual abuse cases that seem never to be reaching a conclusion. But then when I find myself despairing about the lack of integrity in public life, maybe that's the time to turn back to myself and to ourselves and to the need for authenticity in our own ways of living. That need to face my own realities with honesty and acceptance. And maybe when all of us get that task sorted in our own lives, will live in a society that mirrors us as its members. You never know. Amen. A Buddhist teaching suggests we weigh up all our speaking by asking, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Let us in the week ahead use these simple questions to guide our ways of being in the world. Let us sift our experience and our existence and discover that which really matters, learning to live with the integrity of who we truly are. Amen. Go well and blessed be you.